0: listen to 247 Real Talk. I'm your host Julian Perry along with my guest for this episode who will be discussing mental illness and their personal story. With me for this episode is international speaker, author, empowerment coach, blogger, contributing writer writer, and podcaster none other than Megan Copeland. We'll be right back. Welcome to 247 Real Talk. Thank you for joining me for this episode.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: It's quite a pleasure. It's quite a pleasure. And uh, 247 Real Talk is all about real talk, so we don't waste much time. We jump right in. And let me start off by letting my audience know that uh, the uniqueness about this episode will be your personal story with it, your personal challenges, and uh, your details as um, you've gone from where you started to where you are now. So why don't you start it off by giving us an intro into Megan Copeland.
1: Okay, so um, of course, my name is Megan Copeland. I am originally from New Orleans, Louisiana, but of course, currently I reside in Houston, Texas. And so I have a business by the name of Mental Rich, which is the mental health movement dedicated to helping young girls and women who um, experience and suffer from mental illnesses due to abuse, abandonment, and rejection. So that's what I'm currently working on now um, and just trying to bring awareness to the stigma of mental illnesses.
0: Okay, great. So let's go go way back. Megan Copeland is a child. And start from there and tell us, you know, your first experiences and, and, you know, what brought you to where you are.
1: Okay. So I was born to drug addicted parents. Um, my mom and dad abused drugs for a long time, even before I was born, and they were never you know, really fully around in my life um, here and there. My dad walked out of my life probably around the age of seven, and then my mom shortly after. And so I think I first started experiencing mental illnesses at the age of eight, actually, um, due to being raped. And molested by my mom's boyfriend. And so I started to suffer, you know, things like depression, anxiety, um, PTSD. And then I was not fully diagnosed until I was the age of 12 by a psychiatrist. Um, And so I was diagnosed by a psychiatrist at the age of 12 with several different um, mental illnesses. And so... I manage them as an adult, um, but I think a lot of my uh, mental illness stems from childhood trauma.
0: So, tell tell us a bit about your. You said eight and twelve. So, tell us a bit about your school years and what that was like from eight to twelve. Your daily life, interacting with, you know, everyone, adults and children, and, and facing these challenges. What was that like?
1: difficult i had behavior issues but i was always a good student so i actually went to school um i mean i would go to school after being raped and you know sit there like nothing happened and just you know do my schoolwork. i think school was really important for me because it allowed me to escape the things i was going through at home and so i always was a good student i was always on time i always interacted with people and no one ever knew because i never said anything To anyone. Um, I mean, of course, childhood was rough. I mean, there were times where we didn't eat. When I talk about we, I'm talking about my brother and myself, Um, but I never resorted to stealing from stores. You know, there were times when, of course, my mom wasn't around and I didn't see her for days, even weeks, of course. And I was I would find her at um, drug houses. Um, And, you know, there's times where I've actually in person seen my mom you know, turn tricks and, um, which in New Orleans, um, of course they, it means sell your body as well as, um, um, like, um, uh, um, uh, inject herself, you know, drugs in her, in her, in her arms with needles. So there was a lot of times where there were things I should have never seen, but I've seen before, but I had to like, you know, um, take it on and, and, and kind of grow up early as an adult and, you know, and make sure that I was taking care of my brother. So that was the most important thing for me to make sure my brother was taken care of and I was taken care of as well, even though I was going through a lot of these things.
0: So how were you guys managing? Um, and while it may not be directly related to mental illness, I think curiosity always asks, you know, your mom disappeared for periods of times, your dad walked out. Mm-hmm. How were you guys managing you know, financially, how were you eating? How were you living? How were you clothing yourselves? How were you, you know, going through that period?
1: Um, I mean, sometimes we wasn't eating. We would um, visit, I have an auntie who lived um, not far away and sometimes we would, vi- we would visit her. But I mean, when we didn't see her, we didn't eat. Um, and so, it, it you know, it was tough, of, of course. But like I said, me and my brother, we never resorted to stealing from the store. But there were times where we would eat for days and you know, we would go to school, you know, come home from school starving because our only meal would be, you know, lunch and breakfast from school. And so we were on our own for the weekend. So I mean, I remember one time I, I was I was starving so much, I started eating grass. That's how much I was starving. And so, um, yeah, it was it was kinda tough, but you know, eventually we started to um Go around relatives and then it started to get better as time went along. But during those years, living with my mom, you know, it was just kind of difficult because she was, you know, facing an illness, which is drugs, of course. And, you know, we were trying to maneuver through life and still trying to be kids, but, you know, having to grow up early as well.
0: Okay. So you get to, what's, what's the next big thing that happens as you're growing up, what's the next either uh, turning point, positive or negative? What's the next big event?
1: Um, I think the most I think it was more positive. My brother, he was, um, you know, taken and, and and given to my aunt. Um, so my auntie, one of my aunties raised him. And then I went over to another aunt. And so life got a little better. So that's when, you know, she noticed that something was wrong. And so, of course, she made it her effort to have me see a doctor professionally. And, and that's when I was diagnosed with a few mental illnesses. I mean, it was, it was a struggle of course, because I still was battling a lot of different things. And so I was still having behavioral issues, um, but, you know, I, at least I had the comfort of, you know, two parents, my my auntie and my uncle to kind of help me maneuver through life, you know, as an 11 and 12 year old child.
0: Okay. And so the next few years through um high school or whatever were those uh was that a dormant time um was your mental illness progressing um, you know
1: what was going on? yeah, I think it was progressing, but I stayed busy so i um I was on a dance team for four years in high school, which I love um we got to dance in a Super Bowl, so I was happy about that and then i was on i was um a part of different clubs, and so I kept myself busy but I did um, have issues with, you know, maintaining friends and just maintaining relationships with other people because I would explode. Um, And so people didn't understand. They didn't, they, you know, people thought I was crazy, Like Oh my gosh, what's wrong with her? She's crazy. But they didn't know I was battling like mental illnesses. And so the question during high school was like, where's your mom? Where's your dad? Where are your parents? Like, why do you live with your aunt? And it was so hard for me to explain, but, Um, during high school I did get a best friend and so we were so close and I I would sleep by her house and we would do family things with her mom and dad and I just felt like and it's funny because even though I was living with my auntie and my uncle I felt more safe and comfort being around my friend than I was with my auntie and my uncle um and I think it had part to do with my auntie always telling me like, this is temporary. Like, we're just only here to help you. Like, as soon as you graduate, you're going to have to leave. And so I was in my head, I was reminded of that. And so I didn't feel comfort, but I did feel comfort when I was around my best friend who parents like took me in as their daughter basically. And so I was always happy being around them. And so my, you know, even though I was still suffering in silence and, you know, um, dealing with depression, I was still able to like kind of manage that and, and, bring a little joy in my life because I was, I felt like I was complete because I had her parents who basically treated me like their daughter.
0: Okay. So did we get to a point where you go, strike out on your own? How, how is it? How is this, you know, as as we go through the steps of this journey, what is your next evolution?
1: Um, so my next, after I graduated from high school, of course I went to college and, um, I I got a actually got a scholarship, academic scholarship to attend college. So I went to college and still battling, um, behavior issues. I mean, I was in college. I was like 17, 18 years old, still wet in a bed in college. Like that's, like, that's, that's not normal. Um, I don't think I stopped wet in a bed until I was probably like 2021, actually, because I would have nightmares of my childhood and being raped. And so I would just lay in my urine for hours and just cry and so but I still you know of course had to like I said I was I loved school so I still got up took my shower I went to class but I was still suffering from like depression anxiety and so um it got to the point to where like I I I had a mental breakdown and I failed out of school I mean going going from um receiving a full academic scholarship to failing out of school with a 1.8 GPA due to your depression and your anxiety, um, it's it's typically not normal. And so, yeah, that's kind of where a lot of the things went downhill from there after I left college um, and, you know, decided to join the military. So that's what I did.
0: And was the military a positive experience?
1: Yeah, it was pretty cool. But, I mean, of course, um, still suffering from mil- mental illnesses, seeing things I should have never seen in the military and how women were treated um, was a little bit different because I felt like the military was supposed to be a place of protection. And that wasn't a place of protection. And so I decided one day that I was just tired of it. And so I put on my uniform and I walked out the gate and went AWOL for four months. And so um, during that time, I, um, I slept on couches. I, um, I slept in hotels. Um, I just was all over the place. I was just, I didn't, my, I felt like my life was just spiraling out of control. Here I was, you know, trying to make a difference in my life. Um, and I just failed out of college and here I am now walking out of place where I felt like it would bring me positivity, but I couldn't take it anymore. And so I went AWOL for four months, um, after. And then of course, eventually I decided to turn myself in and was given an opportunity to stay in the military, but I decided to leave.
0: Okay, so I'm not sure that we got to your. I have, I have a feeling there's something more, you know, more there in the sense that. I guess I would ask, what was your lowest point?
1: Um, I would say my lowest point is when I try to commit suicide and I almost succeeded. Um, this was in college, of course. I took seventy pills. Um, one day I got so depressed. Um, I think there was like two different times where it was my lowest point. I think one as a child, um, probably around 13 or so, um, I got so depressed that I literally took my fingernails and scratched my face until all my skin started to peel off. And that was one um, um, experience. And then my other experience of my lowest point, I think, was you know um, taking 70 pills um, and telling a doctor. My fr- actually, one of my friends found me, passed out, and um called the an ambulance, and so um, I told the doctor just to let me die I didn't want to live anymore, and so they pumped my stomach, and then I had to um be transferred over to a mental health facility, so I stayed in a mental health facility for probably about five or six days, and so I think that was just my lowest point um well, one of them I think i've had a, a I think I've had several lowest points, but I think at this time of my life as a young adult, that was my lowest point.
0: Okay, so was that your only um, interaction or stay in a mental health institution?
1: No, I've stayed twice. So my most recent one was in December of 2019. I threatened suicide. Um, Well, I don't think it was, I don't think I threatened suicide, but I actually just got frustrated with one of my friends and I said, you know, what if I killed myself? What would you guys do if I wasn't here? And so she called the cops and they came to my house and, you know, asked me if I wanted to see um, a doctor and I said, "Yeah, little did I know they would put a detention warrant on me, and so I had to stay in a mental health facility." Um, which was a, a totally different experience than the first experience, and so yeah, that was um, that was my second time staying in a mental health. So it was actually less than a year ago.
0: And how long was that for?
1: I, I was there for five days.
0: Okay, so would you say, as an adult, would you say that the stay in the mental health institution? is something that is beneficial to someone with those challenges?
1: It depends on the facility, Um, the facility that I was housed at. um, I think a lot of people, you know, especially surrounding the stigma around mental health, don't understand mental illnesses. And I think for some, it's just a job um, and they really don't understand that people actually, you know, suffer from these things and these are their experiences that they have. I mean, for me, I was saying, I was saying compared to a lot of other people there. Um, and I think, um, some of the workers lacked patience and understanding. Um, so I really just think it, it could be beneficial religious really depending on the facility.
0: Okay. So it, that definitely doesn't sound like the, the catalyst, the thing that, um, sort of, uh, turned things around or catapulted you to, uh, not only taking care of yourself but you know getting to a point where you started to be an advocate for mm-hmm. others and and before I segue to that, I'm going to go back for a second on this most recent stay in the mental health institution just to get your mm-hmm. your frame of mind and some thoughts for you because here you are in twenty nineteen I'm assuming that a lot of the processes that you had put in place to help others who had gone through or going through the same struggles you have were active, and you at this point, to many of those that you help are our role model. Am I correct mm-hmm. in that assumption? Yes.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So,
0: be. um, what was your reflection? I mean, you you know, after having to spend those five days in the mental health institution, uh, yeah, you know, what were your thoughts pertaining to? What you do for others and where you found yourself at that moment.
1: Um, I would say, staying in the mental institute this last time, um, I had to. I realized that I had to be an advocate and voice for other people because, like I said, there were a lot of people that didn't have a voice. Um, We were forced, you know, medication, and so I had to tell the nurse in a text like, "Hey, um, I'm not taking this medication. Like, I'm not taking, you know, depression medication or anything because I had never." you know, taking, um, medication outside of being diagnosed, um, when I was 12 years old. And so it had been a long time since I had taken, you know, any medication for mental illnesses. And so of course I was struggling with some other, you know, health issues, um, with low iron. So I needed my iron pills and then I had some vitamin C deficiencies as well as some vitamin D deficiencies. And so, um, they wasn't giving me the medicine for that. They wanted me to like, basically take, you know, anxiety and depression medicine. So I have to be a voice for those people who can speak up because like I said, um, you know, I don't want to, you know, talk about other patients or go into like much detail, but I realized, Hey Megan, some of these people don't have a voice and you have to stand up for them and you have to be the voice for them and advocate for them and let people know that these are the things that's helped ha- ha- happening in these mental illnesses mental facilities, excuse me. And you have to be a voice for them. And so that was like one of the turning points where I decided, Hey, um, I need to talk. I need to tell people what's going on. I need to, I need to be a voice for all, for all people. Um, And that's when I decided to make sure that I took my um, company to the next level and um, really focus on advocating and um, bringing awareness to mental illnesses and creating a movement, movement, actually. So, um, yeah, so that's what the point was for
0: me. Okay. So assuming that, you know, that um, what happened with this last day in the mental health institution was was kind of um, maybe things going a bit out of your control because I'm not sure they should have gone that way anyway, based on, on, you know, you making that statement and then, you know, mm-hmm. calling the cops and all that. But as an adult, as as you went from you know being out to the military to to the point where you started the your business, the organization, and felt uh, that empowerment to empower others. Were there any other times in your in your journey where you hit that critical point um, where you could have gone one way or the other?
1: Yeah, there were a couple of times. I mean, moving to Houston, actually, I moved to Houston back in 2013 or so, and I lived in my car for six months. I was homeless. I had I had nowhere to go. I didn't know people here. Um, And so, you know, I cried every day. And so I got an opportunity to join a church, and I met one of my friends there, and I told her the situation. And so she got me into a homeless shelter, and I stayed there for a while. And I had people advocate for me and said, hey, you know, we see so much in you, Right. And so that's a, that's one of the reasons why I also want to advocate for other people because I had people advocate for me and say, okay, we see so much in you. I mean, I was living in my car, you know, finishing up my master's degree and living in my car and, um, you know, people saw potential in me and helped me find a job. And so that was one of the turning points. And then another um, turning point was in 2017. I was in a relationship with a guy that I had planned to marry and um, got pregnant and, you know, um, lost a baby and that, that same week I lost my job as well. And so I was like, okay, here we go again. I was like, okay. I was like, God, what's going on? Like, you don't, I don't think you like me too much because I'm going through all of this stuff and I, and I'm, I'm laughing about it because, um, you know, you have to, instead of like crying, you have to laugh. And so, you know, you have to take accountability for your own actions sometimes, but yeah, that was like one of the um, worst, Um, parts of my life. I mean, literally, I was so depressed, I would like to lay in a bed and then, you know, urinate on myself and I wouldn't leave the bed for hours. And so, because I was so depressed, but that was like one of the lowest turning points, but I had to do something about it. And so, um, you know, I don't want to um dwell on this and take too long, but you know, it was a turning point for me when I joined the church. And so everything started to like kind of manifest and. And then my life just started to, you
0: know, kind of turn around from there. No, well, I don't, I I want you to dwell on it because I'll say this to my, I'll say this to my audience. First of all, I've done now several episodes on um, mental illness. Um, Some of them from the perspective of someone that's purely professional, most of them from the perspective of someone who's lived the journey. And what I've learned from having these conversations is that no two stories are the same. And so, you know, some people may look at the episode list on on, on the podcast and say, wow, there's quite a few mental illness. You know, why is he doing another one? But I understand, number one, that, as I said, no two stories are the same. Number two, there are a lot of people out there that need help. There are some people who are suffering from mental illness who don't even know it. And yeah. and and the fact that, you know, in all the episodes, yours is the first where someone has actually referenced the church as being a big part of lifting them from one level to another. So this this episode is about the Megan Copeland story. And so you, know, you, you tell it like it is. That's why I keep probing, because I okay. want you to tell it. Tell people about that journey as well. Don't leave out... Um, you know, for for those of us who believe that's that's probably the most powerful thing that ever happened in your life, so don't leave it out.
1: Okay. Yeah, I think, you know what, I think that and I always question myself sometimes, and I'm honestly grateful for the things that I've been through in life, because I don't think I would be here if I had not been through the things that I've been through in life, you know, because I want to be a voice for those people who... um don't have anyone. I didn't growing up. I didn't have a, men- a mentor. I didn't have anyone to go to and talk to about the things I was dealing with, right? And so I want to be that person for other people. And so I'm actually happy that I've been through the things that I've been through—from actually being raped to being homeless to being in an abusive relationship. Um, you know, the list goes on. I'm happy because I don't. I think God chose me because He knew I was strong enough to deal with the things that I've dealt with. Um, and so. I think that's the reason why I'm not upset. I'm not mad about it. I think that I was put on earth for a reason and that's to help people and advocate for people. But after, like I said, after losing the baby, um, I called the church just for prayer. And so one of the pastors invited me into the church. And so, I mean, there was pain. Everybody said, Oh my God, I can see the pain in your eyes. I can see the pain in your face, but I still, you know, wanted to be in church and, and find my purpose. And so um, I thought my purpose was something else, but one day I was attending—I don't know if it was a conference—I really don't remember—but this lady prophesied, and this was 2017. She prophesized over my life, and she said, "You're going to change lives. You're going to tell your story. You're going to impact people." She said, "You're going to be an author of like several books, and you're going to speak all over the world." And I'm looking at this lady like, "What? What are you talking about? Like, hey, I just lost a baby. Like, I don't even have a job." <laughs> What are you talking about? Like, I'm looking at her and I'm like, okay, whatever. Because i never had anyone prophesize over my life. And then I got an opportunity to speak um, a year later, like less than a year later, and tell my story. And I'm about to be a co-author of my third book. The book is being released next month. And I've spoken on different platforms. I've been featured on different platforms. And I had never thought that I would be talking about mental health. That wasn't my purpose. I didn't think that was my purpose or my are the things that I want to do in life. Like I love, you know, I went to school to be engineer. And so that's what um, my degree is in, but I actually got my master's in human resources. And so I was living and breathing like human resources. And I was like, oh, I'm going to open up this company. And then all this stuff for human resources, but God was like, uh-uh, no, no, you need to talk about mental health. And then I guess he bought that lady um to tell me, you know, that this is what I was going to do. So, I've been doing, I've been, you know, advocating and talking about mental health ever since. So yeah. So the church has played a big role in, you know, helping me, you know, find my purpose and who I am, you know, as a person, as Megan.
0: That That is fantastic. That is fantastic. Mm-hmm. We're going to continue on with your successes and, and the, on the purpose of um, that, that you're driven by now, but something crossed my mind and I'm going to uh, take one step back for a moment and ask mm-hmm. you what, why you you ended up in Houston, Texas, in your car with knowing no one? Why did you go there?
1: Oh, for a job. So I actually applied for a job in Houston, and job fell through. I guess they were having like some financial difficulties at the company, and so I got a call the Sunday because I was already staying in a hotel because I, you know, in my mind I was like, okay, I got to get an apartment, but I got to get my first paycheck in order to present to a apartment complex, and so I was staying in a hotel only temporary. And so I had enough, I think I moved to Houston with like a thousand dollars to my name. And so I was like, okay, I'll have enough money, at least to my first paycheck, you know, to hold me over. So they called me and say, Hey, you know, we can't hire you. We have to rescind a couple offers. We're going through some financial difficulties. I was like, oh my God, like, what am I going to do? And it took me a couple of months to find a job. I was like living in my car and, and, you know, going to interviews and hadn't taken a shower. And I was like, you know what? at least I, uh, at least, if I could brush my teeth and wipe my face, then I'll be okay. But yeah, that's the reason why
0: I moved to Houston. Okay, so that ties in the story because I think many listeners will want to know what made you just pick up and move and that, you know, that was an important uh, reason. It also shows that your resilience because, you know, having grown up with those challenges and then here you are and you, you know, you make this leap of faith and and then it falls through. And I think that is, that is, There are many things we can say about character and and people and, Mm -hmm. and, 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 you know, there are many people I think who, who frown upon others who have had challenges, mental health challenges, or even mentioned the word. Um, and, and I, and it's important for me to not only have your story, um, uh, have a spotlight but others with your type of story because like I said first of all there are people who walk around with a um, prejudice against people with mental health issues and I think in many cases I've seen the people who do that have their own mental health issues and just don't realize it it's not a I've I've learned from speaking to many people that is not necessarily it's it's not the common cold it's not I sneeze and I got a runny nose, and so I got a cold it's not that evident sometimes it's it's sometimes it's it's in it's in you and it's in your actions and it's in your own in your own head and the way you deal with challenges and and the way you approach relationships and all these things that you don't realize you know that you're suffering from a from a form of mental illness and oh. I think it's it's magnified in this period of the pandemic where people are quarantined and people are confined and they, you know, it, it is because I think with human beings being social beings, I think a lot of people hide their masks, mask, uh, you know, their true personality behind certain things like, like socializing, you know, um, extreme socializing, you know, where they're always out and partying and this and that. And they, and it's sort of a fit in and it's sort of a cover what's really gone through their life or what is really going through their life. And now that we, exactly. have, you know, we have COVID and, you know, you kind of find yourself sometimes in the home talking to yourself. Um, I think that we have mental health and mental health issues. That's going to be one of the big um, challenges uh, post-COVID, whenever that is. Um, that the that the world is going to have to to deal with. I think that a lot of people are going to yeah. come out of this needing a whole lot of help. And every story like yours and every other and everybody else who wants to come on two four seven real talk and and exhale and tell the world about their story, I think is important. I'm, I'm I'm committed to doing every single episode because I feel like there are many people out there who desperately need help. And so, yeah. Um, I'm going to give you some time to talk a little bit about you know, what you do right now and any experiences with uh, or any encounters with others that you want to share with us.
1: Yeah, first I just want to say that I think a lot of people are ignorant for, um, you know, to mental illness. They don't understand mental health because even growing up, people would tell me when when I first was diagnosed, professionally with mental illness. I was my auntie told me, Don't tell anybody, don't tell anybody. Like it was a secret. Like, we don't want anybody to know that you're crazy. You know, so um, and I was always told, Oh, there's nothing wrong with you. You're just, you know, a little girl dealing with like, you know, the loss of her parents, walking out of her life. And I was like, oh no, I'm I'm definitely struggling with something. I don't know what it is, but I'm definitely struggling with something. And I think people um think that mental health is is a behavioral issue. It's not a behavioral issue. It's an emotion, right? So, I mean, I've been told that I have a demonic spirit in me because I suffer from, you know, mental illness. And I love God. I mean, I mean, I even have a, a room in my house dedicated to, um, is a prayer room. So I have scripture all over my wall. I have positive affirmations all over my wall. I pray. I read my Bible. Um, I mean, I love God. You know, and so, I mean, I can. And it's is this, is this a, like a on and off thing for me. It's a switch that turns on and off. Like I can I could be in here like watching TV or like reading my Bible, and all of a sudden five minutes later I'm crying for nothing. I don't even know why. So it's more of an emotion, you know, for me. And I think it's um a lot of people are ignorant and need to self educate themselves on um what mental illnesses is because if you haven't if you have not faced something. I don't think you should judge someone for facing something because you don't know. I put myself in people's shoes and I walk in their shoes daily, but I may not know how it is to, you know, live a life of, you know, drugs because I've never been on drugs. Yes. I've had parents um, who've been in prison and addicted to drugs, but I've never um, been on drugs. Uh, I've never touched drugs. So I can't tell the next person, okay, well you need to put that, you know, that pipe down or that, that, um, Marijuana down because this is this and this is that. Like I, I'm, I don't want to be judgmental. I just want to, you know, people to hear my voice. I want to help people. I want to make a difference, and so that's what I'm trying to do now with um, the mental rich movement that I um, created about um, a year and a half ago.
0: Okay, and you said that you've you're on your third book. You, your third book is completed. Is that it?
1: Yeah. So I'm a co-author. So I've been a co-author of. Three books. So the first book came out in 2018, I think, and then the second book was 2019, and then the third book. And I've been a co-author for all of them. The co-author. Um, the third book is coming out next month, and so um, I am actually in the process of writing my own book right now. I actually spoke to a publisher tonight, who basically was like, "Hey." If you write your book, I'll publish your book for free. So I was like, you know what? <laughs> that was a blessing for me. Um so yeah, so I'm writing my own book and so I think I'm done with um, you know, being a, a co-author in books and I think I need to focus on my store and write my own book.
0: Absolutely and you needed to you needed to do 247 real talk as a podcast too because <laughs> that, Yeah. That is definitely real, you know, this is definitely uh a platform that embraces True to life stories and um, you know and, and, and faces the truth that as that we what we deal with as human beings um, and what is important to us and not what we we try to obscure the truth of by making it important to us mental illness is a major issue in 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 our lives and in this time of that we live in because we are struggling with so many challenges. And you know it's, it's very it's very easy for us to find a way to hide it. And I, and I remember that stigma that you that you spoke about because I know at one time in places of employment, for instance, um, there are many employee employers who offered employee assistance, but many employees would not go because the minute you went there, um, there was a stigma attached. If anybody found out that you went there. You know, and you could have mm-hmm. gone there to talk about the worst mental illness, or you could have gone there just to get, you know, some, some clarity. And it, it it still had the same stigma. And then, you know, because confidentiality is is something that rarely exists in organizations, in many organizations, you find that, you know, people are telling me they get passed over promotions, passed over opportunities, because it, it traveled with them in the stigma. And, you know, like it was a permanent... Blotch because they needed to speak to someone mm-hmm. so having you know doing this many episodes and real talk about mental illness like i said i will continue to do them because we need to get to a point as people where we accept that this is a part of who we are and that yeah. it is not because someone has mental illness you know they don't have they don't have covid you know, in other words, they don't—they're not part of some pandemic that if you—if they breathe on you or they cough on you, you're gonna die too. It's not, you know, it's—it's—it's. It's, it's, these are normal human beings who have challenges that can be managed. You know, and we need to—we need to keep the spotlight on this because, you know, being an adult and dealing with mental health issue and having certain resources and capabilities is one thing, but. I think the, the common denominator in everyone that I've spoken to who has a personal story is that it all started as a child.
1: Mm.
0: And therefore, yeah. we have to be truthful to ourselves and recognize that among us, there's probably you know thousands of children who are in the exact same place right now. And we, because we don't pay attention to it, we're not educated enough. We're not, you know, we, we're not fine-tuned enough to recognize the signs. Yeah,
1: you're right.
0: So, um, I think what you're doing is is absolutely brilliant. Um, where can people, if I don't know if you can call off the top of your head, if you can tell us the names of the books and where people can find them.
1: Um. One of them is Women Inspiring Nations. Um, And so you can find that on Amazon. I don't have copies of the book. So, because that was released like in 2018, but it's Women Inspiring Nations. There's different volumes. I think on volume three, it's uh, a blue book. Um, The most recent one, and I didn't talk about my, the first book, I didn't talk about mental illnesses in there. The second book I did, I I spoke about my journey um, as an empire woman dealing with mental health. and that, That was my title. And so that's called Thrive, Girl Thrive. And so I do have copies of that book. Um, so if people like to order, they can just email me at hello at megancopeland.com. And then the third book that's coming out um, is No Matter What, You Can Make It. And I just talk about my, um, you know, experience again dealing with mental illness, but in a, from a military um, standpoint, as well as like, you know, my str- you know, um, facing homelessness as well. So that's, that won't be released until like next month sometime. I
0: don't know the I don't remember the date, but I think it's mid-November. Okay, that's, well, you know, I will, I myself would, will do what I can to get a hold of those books, and I will certainly make sure that the information, that whatever information you have, you send it to me so that when this podcast episode airs, people will have links to be able to go and, you know, and get the book and to not only educate themselves, but to begin maybe to follow Megan Copeland that she makes a difference in this world.
1: Yes, thank you. So I can send you the copy. I have I I mean, I do have um copies of the books. I don't have many. Um, especially the first book. I think I have two or three copies, but I can send you copies and then I do have um a link to the second book where people can place orders so I can send that to you as well.
0: Okay, yes. I mean uh two four seven we'll never turn down a copy of a book from one of our guests because that has been uh Actually, something that I have, I have a collection building now, and it's 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 very interesting because it takes me with my busy schedule. It takes me some time to get to the books to read each one of them, but that's something I'm committed to. But more so, just if I line the books up, especially the ones some people, and I think most of them have been mental health issues. Um, I think one of them has been a losing a child to homicide. Uh, you know, but when I look across. These books, if I lay them on the table and I look at the titles and I remember the stories, it is very empowering to know that guests like yourself come on this show and we make a difference. And I get to see the different guests I've spoken to. And it sort of gives you a true life picture of what the world really looks like as people. You know, we live in a bubble. Most of us, we have this picture in our head of what the world is like but it's far from what we think it is and so that that's part of the whole essence of 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 me creating this podcast and and doing this service to all of you know of of mankind hoping that we will not only educate ourselves from it but we will learn to embrace each other because we will understand that differences don't have to divide us they can unite us yeah. So before we uh, wrap this up for this episode, I'd like you to look within Megan Copeland and from within you leave a message for all those who will hear, for all those who will listen and for all those who need to hear what you have to say.
1: I would say stop being judgmental towards people. You never know what someone is going through. You never know what someone is battling. And I don't think that people have to make huge announcements as to what they're going through. Um, mental health, for me, is not a look. It's, it's it's not, I've been told by people, oh my God, you don't look like you have mental health. You don't look like you suffer from depression. It's not a look, right? And so um, for me, I think that people really just need to stop being ignorant to the fact that this does exist. And like you said, previously that, you know, especially, you know, after all this, um, this stuff is over with COVID, I mean, you know, you never know what we're going to experience. I mean, that's the reason why we have to educate people. We have to educate ourselves and we just have to start talking about this and erase the stigma surrounding mental illness because a lot of people are suffering in silence. And the reason why they're suffering in silence is because people are very judgmental, Right because I didn't want to tell anybody. Two years ago, I would have never thought I would be telling my story and being real and raw about the things that I've been through because this is not everything that I've been through. Trust me, I've been through so much more. But of course, we only have an hour. I could be here for next year telling you the things I've been through. So I would just tell people, please stop being judgmental. I mean, if you see someone you know, going through something or struggling with something, reach out, offer help. I mean, it doesn't have to be monetary help. I mean, just offer just a word of encouragement, a word of advice, something, because little people who suffer from mental illnesses, all they need is hope, right? And so we just want to know that people are there for us, no matter how that looks, right? So um, I think that's important to um, make sure that you're there for someone and just don't be, be judgmental and just offer hope offer help um and yeah that's that's pretty much it and educate yourself um if you have to you know read a book or ask questions or you know um just um you know google search something just to educate yourself on mental illnesses. do so because um it's not right to judge someone because you never know what they're battling and then you know one um discouraging words can be in can someone's life. You know, someone can take their life by one thing that you say. So it's always good to be encouraging.
0: Great. Fantastic last word. Thank you so much for being a part of this show. Um, and certainly when you're, when you finish writing your book and it's published, if you want to share that story in depth, you know, keep in touch and do you know, know that you are quite welcome to come back on here and continue telling your story.
1: Awesome.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much for being on the
1: show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I
0: want to say a very special thank you to my guest, Megan Copeland, for coming on here, for bearing her soul. telling the world what the world needs to know we need to understand that mental illness is a real issue amongst many of us and with the world going through a pandemic now we're all going to need to listen to each other understand each other not judge each other but embrace each other I also want to thank my listeners and supporters for your continued support I'm reminding you that you can catch every episode of 247 Real Talk on your favorite podcast app you can also head over to the website at www.247realtalk.net we've got every episode and details about our guests on the website if you'd like to leave me a message or if you'd like to be a guest in the show send me an email at podcast at 247realtalk.net that's podcast at 247realtalk.net until the next time